No, and I think that's powerful. Once you get to the center point, once you start seeing yourself as 100% in everything, that changes everything. What is up, our fellow Legacy Ninja? It's unique when you do a deep dive and you look at the journey that you've been on. When you look and consider the journey that you've been part of, what has come out of that? What growth piece has come out of that that you can utilize to provide another individual that you can pass on to somebody else's learning lesson? Maybe you have kids and you look at it and say, what can I do differently to plant a flag and adjust the trajectory that my family's been on? And what can I do differently to help create a change for future generations? So on this episode, get the special distinction of being interviewed by Patrick. So it's myself talking, give my thoughts. But it does come down to the fact that when I look at it, everything starts with yourself. You've got to do the deep dive. You've got to do the work. And once you get to that point where you start changing yourself, you start going towards that level that you want to go to, things start unlocking and things look different than what they were before when you do the deep dive and the work on yourself. But it does come down to you being open to do that work. So if you can't do that, find a tribe. Find people that can be there for you and support yourself. Ultimately, my biggest thing that I tell people is you are 100% in every situation. This comes from Patrick. And so you've got to complete yourself. Everything else is a complimentary piece to you. So when you look at your journey that you've been on, What has come up that has created growth for you? What has been part of that lesson for you that has helped you to progress as an individual? And what do you need to go look back on to make that switch and bring it forward to give that life lesson, to give the the teachable moments to somebody else to help them grow? So after the episode, sit down, take a deep dive. What is it for you that you've learned and where do you need to progress and switch in your life? to become a better version of yourself that you want to bring forward. Other than that, enjoy the episode, and we'll catch you later. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Legacy Digging with Two Native Sons. I am one half, Patrick Murakami, and my other half, Scott Brent. Today is a special episode because today I'm actually interviewing Scott Brandt. <laughs> so, uh, for you legacy ninjas that have been following and supporting us, uh, we can't thank you enough. You know, this is a unique perspective for us because we've never done this no. in any capacity in a year long worth of business. Even when we first uh, started connecting and did a couple of uh, coffee meetings, we never really did like a deep dive interview. But yet we kind of know each other's stories from, you know, all the different events and things that we've done together. Sure. So, you know, as we go through kind of this piece, you know, I'm curious, just within the short period of time from the podcast to the coaching, you know, take us through kind of what that journey has been like in this short amount of time for you. 
It's actually very unique because we've shared it before. I've told people when you come across an individual and as long as having an open mind and open spirit and really connecting with somebody, you can end up finding those connection pieces that you normally wouldn't find. And so it is unique because when we started the whole two native sons piece and the journey piece for us, I look back and we tell people honestly for what, how long we knew each other it was very short. Um, I think we had talked about it maybe three times before we sat down and re- actually did a deep dive. And it was unique just because it's more of an acquaintance piece than an actual friend piece. And then as we've gone through and getting to where we're at now and how we're being able to connect with people and impact the lives of others, we're in the garage right now. So it's obvious. Uh, we're trying not to heat ourselves out of here. But yeah, no, I think it's unique when you look at the journey and you can kind of see by having that meshing of two individuals that have a big vision and a big heart and a big drive for individuals. It's powerful regardless of how long you've known somebody. And I think, you know what, somebody that you haven't met and you don't know very long, it actually opens up the doors too, because there's not a preconceived notion that could end up washing out or shadowing what could take place. The thing that I like to tell people is that we started this to show people that you can just take action without having delay, without having to sit there and be idle and think about something. And so being able to just go, yeah, right? And I know we've had many people <laughs> that are like, whoa, you guys got to slow down a little bit, right? And for us, it's always kind of been that, hey, if we crash, we'll crash and we'll learn from the crash mentality. True. I do appreciate you being the yes man. <laughs> uh, it's actually very inspiring for me, what you bring as a, a catalyst coach and as a mindset coach, right? Um, I think a lot of people maybe miss that piece, especially entrepreneurs, mm. because a lot of times you have certain milestones that you'll achieve, but then it's kind of like the stone that kind of gets in your way. Yeah. By having a catalyst coach and access to somebody that helps me to overcome myself, right? That allows me to continue to go next level. So, you know, talk about kind of your journey in regards to how you got to even be a catalyst coach. It's unique um, because I can go back and really pinpoint exactly when I kind of saw the power of the spoken word. So it was my junior year of high school and we were getting ready for the football season. And I was joking. I was like, I'm going to go out there and break somebody's leg. So two weeks after I said that we were having a scrimmage and I ended up having my uh, leg broken. So somebody was pulling, um, ended up tripping and my foot was planted and there was no way to pull it out because of the field we were on. They were working on our actual uh, game field. And so landed, I it was planted. I looked down and the ref's like, hey, I saw you were trying to get up. But when I looked down, I could see my foot sticking out at a 45 degree angle. Oh. And so the, one of the coaches was like, get up, get up, running over there. And then all of a sudden he looks and he's like, Ugh! and then he turned around and took off <laughs> the other way. But when I look at that situation, it right there, the power of the spoken words and what you put out there comes back. Hmm. How it comes back, you never know. Um, but it, it's interesting. And then going through my divorce piece and experiencing that aspect of getting married very young. I was uh, 19, turned 20. Uh, when we got married, I was in basic. And then really not knowing who I truly was. Just, I was like, yeah, I love you. Well, let's get married. Um, young love and whatnot. And then 
going through that journey of very some darkness. I never got to the point of wanting to commit suicide, but there are statistics out there for men that go through a relationship that is lost or a stagnant relationship. And I think it's either 36 or 39 men a day kill themselves Mm -hmm. due to the loss of a relationship. And so when I heard that set, I was like, man, that is a very hard stat to swallow. And it's a hard stat to really look at. But I look at myself, I could have been one of those 36 or 39 men that killed themselves, ended up going through that journey. And I told people, I'm like, if I would have had somebody I should have leaned on during that time of trying to find myself, it would probably have been a little bit easier. But also it opened up the doors to bring me to where I'm at now and really having that empathy, creating space for others to allow them to show up and be vulnerable and be transparent, uh, which ultimately that's what a lot of people are looking for. We know in our society, a lot of people don't give that space. It's a very go, 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 very me focused. And so people want to be able to express and have that opportunity to be transparent and vulnerable. But how often do people get that? And so it's just leaving and living that opportunity with other individuals to give them that space that they're looking for and also creating a space of non-judgment. And I think that's the toughest thing is getting to a space where you can get there and love yourself. And I think ultimately it does start with accepting yourself for who you are, loving yourself for everything, because then that opens up the door to see everybody else as a complete individual. And so it's just really unique how everything has come together. And I I tell people, I'm like, had the divorce not taken place, I don't know where I'd be, but we never know. So I'm grateful the divorce did happen because now I'm truly stepping into my purpose, stepping into who I was meant to be and what this life is all about is really connecting with people. Well, I love the emphasis on many different things. There's so many nuggets dropped in there. So I want to kind of go back to a couple of different things here taking notice. So the first thing, first of all, thank you for acknowledging the peace in regards to the struggle for mental health, right? Especially after a divorce, the lack of resources for men, you know, it's a hard thing to realize because a lot of us men, we have this pride, this ego. And so oftentimes it just, we feel like we're on an island, Mm. right? And we're kind of maybe raised to kind of be an island, yeah, right? An army of one, so to speak. The reality of it is that nobody can really do it alone. True. So I love the fact that you bring attention to that. You know, when you talk about this piece of, um, well, in the thankfulness piece, right? That's a rare perspective for people to turn around and say, I'm thankful for my divorce, right? But it is a sentiment that I share. And it's one that um, I think is very powerful. I know that you've talked about how, it's hard to get to that point because you maybe don't realize that those are some of the pivotal moments that allow you to kind of start doing that 180 or kind of start changing, you know, the trajectory of where you're going as you're starting to kind of go through this, you know, uh, divorce or even after the divorce and things like that, walk us through the journey as to when you start to love yourself, right? All those things that you talk about, what does that look like? What, what did you have to do to be able to get to that level? So I think it's unique because highlighting those pieces there, um, when we had our discussion with Michelle, she actually talked about that with those undervalued careers. And she talked about mother, uh, she highlighted motherhood first, but then flipped to the fatherhood piece and the male piece and whatnot. So I think that's a unique 
aspect there that with her being a female and a woman recognizing that and highlighting that but I think ultimately it's one of those things that it's if you're not in tune and you're not working on yourself to become aware it can be very tough to really tap in to accept yourself for who you are love yourself for who you are I think ultimately it was a couple points really kind of, so I was hanging out with Q, a good friend of ours, and did a mental piece of closing my eyes and kind of looking and seeing what color that pain was and where it was radiating from, and then just letting it run its course. So for me, it was like center chest, center mass, and it was a black blob. And as I was watching this and Q brought it up, I was like, this is so stupid, <laughs> but ran the course. And then it ended up like my visual from what I saw, it ran through the chest, through the shoulders and down the arm and out the fingers. And then I believe at that time it opened up the door and latched it for me where I was able to forgive my situation, forgive myself, uh, because we have to understand forgiveness is for ourselves. It's not for the other person, even though we've been told and the view on forgiveness is to give it to the other person, but it's truly for yourself. But once I got to that point, that release, that energy, whatever you want to call it, then getting to the point where forgiving myself and then accepting everything that took place and start working and starting to see what things were really a detriment and what needed to be worked on to become a better person going forward, going to whatever that next relationship is and whatever gets brought to the table. And so I think one of the things that we talk about is that core message, that heart story really is the piece that people have to really work on because they're in a hundred percent of everything. And so if you're running a business or you've got a hobby or you're running a family, raising a family, you're center. And so this is the thing that we have to understand that you can't get to the point where the relationship is your focal point. So I look at yourself like a, a bike tire and you got the spokes coming off. That centerpiece should be you. And then the spokes that are coming off are everything else that is who you are, but it's not a relationship where the relationship becomes a center point. And then everything else is based off of that. Because if you lose that relationship, you potentially lose yourself. And so by bringing yourself as this, uh, that centerpiece and then having the spokes run off, it really plays into that core heart story, that message that you have, that story that you're telling yourself, how that can bleed into all the other pieces. Because if you think about a bike tire where those spokes come in, if one of the spokes gets uh, severed down at the centerpiece, what that does, it snaps off. But because it snaps off, it doesn't impact the whole bike. The bike can still go. It may slow down the bike as a spoke sticking out and hitting it, but you don't lose yourself. I like that. It's a great visual piece uh, for people to kind of realize that it's it can be a portion of you, right? Mm -hmm. But if we fully give ourselves and allow somebody else to have control, right, of our emotions, of our feelings, of our identities, then I think that's where a big crash and burn is headed. Yeah. Because you always have to realize that no matter 100% of what we've ever gone through, we have always been the single integer that's a part of that. Yep. And maybe you can't take control uh, and accept responsibility for things that happened to you in the past, especially if you were a child, but you can pick and choose how you respond to that now. Yep. So Very, very true. Yeah. No, and I think that's powerful. Once you get to the center point, once you start seeing yourself as 100% in everything, that changes everything. 
And so it's like, you look and you're like, okay, here's a new job. I get into it. People suck. I'm done. Get into another job. People suck. But you got to look, is that something that you're pushing out into that yourself that's mm. potentially showing up? But every job you go to, you're in that job. It's new coworkers. So it's new faces. It's not the same faces. So I think it's just that focusing that you're that center point. You know, what I love um, is how you've talked about the things that you learn, uh, the things that you practice in regards to yourself, but you project that onto your kids to teach them, right? <laughs> and I think that it's one of those things, it's one for a man to turn around and say, yeah, I'm working on myself. Mm-hmm. But then for him to turn around and say, you know what? I use that same stuff for my parenting skills. Mm-hmm. So what does this relationship look like and how has that changed since you started doing the self-love and the work for yourself? So it's unique because really my oldest opens up and talks more. Um, so yesterday we have, she's got her own cell phone. So we got conversations and it's funny because I was like, what was a win for you this week? And she's like, good gymnastics. And I was like, that is what's up. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so I, when I see that, because we already know the tagline for a lot of stuff is let's go. And I'm sitting there and I start chuckling to myself. And I sent her this text. I was like, I just had an image of you whispering to yourself, let's go. It made me laugh imagining this. And then she's like, haha. So it's funny because by having the deeper conversations, And we have to understand it's one of those things that kids understand more than what we give them credit for. Mm, And so it's having those conversations, bringing it down to the level that the child can understand and it doesn't have to get so deep, but it is having those conversations because I look at it as being able to love myself. And this is the thing that on Thursday I was walking my youngest to school. So Brendan ended up coming and walking with us. And so as we're walking home, we were talking about relationships. And I was like, you've got to get to the point where you love yourself, you accept yourself for everybody. And then it's not relying on just one person for everything. It's building the tribe. And so understanding that if you're dating somebody, that's not the end all be all. That's one person, your tribe, you've got to find multiple tribes. And that way you're not putting that pressure on one person. And then I was like, once you're able to love yourself, that makes that whole relationship unique and flips it. And so she's like, yeah, so she's taking that stuff in. um, But it's sometimes where she won't want to talk. So I won't press on some of the stuff. I'll give her space and whatnot. But there's other times where it's got to have a conversation. And so the tough conversations aren't the easiest sometimes with your kids. But you've got to have those. um, Because I think by having those conversations and being open, they will understand that they can come and talk to you about whatever and you end up creating a space for them where they're not going to freak out and potentially run away and try to hide something from you. I think it's, they're going to be more open to have those conversations, but it's also being aware of your reactions and your emotions as an individual, because that can also impact what they want to come and tell you. So it's, you've got to understand it's their perception. And so you can't put your perception on them how they see the world is how they see the world. So you've got to be open-minded and accepting for that. So I think ultimately it's just having the conversations. I can look back at when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of conversations with my parents like I do with my kids, but it's also the fact of planting that flag and saying, this is going to be different going forward to change the trajectory and that legacy of what's created within the family. 
Yeah, you know, gosh, uh, I, wonder, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld who had, uh, during his stand-up, he basically talked about when you're young, everything you're told is about up, mm. right? Uh, for parents, it's like, hey, hurry up, uh, grow up, yeah. shut up, right? <laughs> and he says, and then when you're older, everything is like, hey, calm down, yeah. slow down, right? And so it's interesting because oftentimes as parents as adults we look at things and the perspective from us is always just kind of where we've come from mm. right and so especially with children we forget that what we're looking at oftentimes we're looking down at but they're looking up to yeah. and so it's a whole completely different perspective from their level and then how many times have we got down on their level and then we can see exactly what they see, right? Yeah. How many times do we pick them up so that way they can see what we see, yeah. right? And so again, I love the fact that you point out the fact that what they see is how they see it and that's all they know, right? So we have, we have a responsibility then to really not only educate, but also allow them to kind of under, figure out how to experience that yeah. in a safe way, but also allow them to do that in their own way. Well, and I think it's unique, too, because we have to understand as kids growing up, they're asking questions. And so, honestly, if we think about it, it's the questions that you ask yourself. Mm -hmm. And so your brain is going to find answers for those questions that you're asking. And so if you're like, man, this day sucks. Why does this day suck? All right. Your brain is going to find different things. And it's unique. They've done studies. And so having that negative outlook on life a lot of colors are actually uh, drawn down. It's more of a dingy color than the bright colors. And so you start missing out on the opportunities. And I think that's the other thing when we think about it growing up, how often are we asking those questions? What are we doing to look outside the box or try to figure something out that's going to work better for us than the standard uh, status quo? Yeah, I always thought that you know, with the technology that we have in today's world, if we could connect something to just read the brain waves of a child and just film the way that the brave, uh, the brain waves work and kind of what they're visualizing yeah. and just literally make a film about that. What kind of, what kind <laughs> of craziness would we see? You know what I mean? Like how awesome would that be to really just see the human adolescent brain in its growth stage yeah. just to kind of see what they see. I think it'd be huge tapping into imagination, which that's where a lot of us lose it. Mm. And then we end up losing out on a lot of life. And so it's the creativity piece that a lot of people end up chucking to the side. And it's unique how you'll talk to people and they're like, I'm not creative or I can't do that. Uh, I believe we were talking to Elise, I think, on Thursday night. And she had talked about how she was uh, trained in classical music. Mm. And she's like, I'd love to do it. I was like, it's muscle memory. It's just knocking off the rust, jumping back on the bike and going and doing it. Yeah. But we grow up and we're like, I forgot or I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And everybody gets into that comparison mode, right? Because everyone thinks that they have to be Picasso to be creative or Mozart. Right? Yeah. And the reality of it is, is that creativity comes in so many different forms, but it is often suppressed as a child in your teenage years, right? Because of peer pressure, because of other people, but those that continue to go with it, even when it's tough, even mm. when it's not okay for adults who kind of come back to it, right? Because that was their outlet for me, obviously, you know, my writing with background uh, or my background in writing and poetry, being able to have those outlets 
allows you to really kind of get out into those deeper parts that have hidden from you. It allows you to be authentically yourself. And, you know, when you create something out of nothing, right. When you create something because it's pure emotion or because it's truly just been dying to get out of you and you had nowhere else to go, man, you look back on that and you may not feel the emotion that you have, right. You might not feel that rage or the anger or that sadness anymore, but you look back at it and you know that it truly came from hundred percent you. (laughs) And that's very powerful. Okay. So we've talked about a lot of these different steps that you've taken, right. How has your trajectory not only changed for, you know, kind of like the business aspects, but, you know, what does that look like from people that are around you? You know, what do the people say that are closest to you or that see you the most? How has their uh, their vision of you changed? For that one, I'm not for sure. For me, it's just showing up. I know we've talked to individuals. I've talked to individuals and just uh, being there. Because I think the thing is, is putting out whatever it is, putting out the thoughts, putting out the, the creativity. Because we've had George um, that says, I see what you guys are doing. <laughs> but he never says anything, uh, never comments, nothing of that nature. But it is unique because, like, a lot of times people are like, oh, it's so cold or this sucks. And I'm like, it's all in the mind. And after a while, people are like, oh, here he comes. He's like, oh, it's all, it's all in the mind. I'm like, yeah, uh, it truly is. Um, but I think it's just keep showing up. You can't really worry about what other people are thinking or feeling. You just got to show up because if you start putting out the energy and focusing on the opinions of others, you miss out on that opportunity of truly putting out that vibe and the energy that somebody needs. And so you're going to cut that off by putting your energy out somewhere else, focusing on somebody else. I, I know a lot of people just said, I see a lot of growth in you. Um, it's fantastic and whatnot, but it's just kind of keep pushing and keep going and whatnot. But I think it's really to the benefit and really stepping into what life is all about, which is you're living your life, but it's creating a story that's meant to be shared with somebody else. Yeah. Um, I want to echo kind of what Michelle had said in our last interview when she basically says that you have a voice that somebody's waiting to hear. Yeah. Right. And everybody really has that, but it is, it does take a while to maybe step into that, to really believe that. And then to, to see it. Right. I mean, there's all different timelines when it comes to that. So where do you foresee your legacy going? Where do you foresee? And what does that, what does legacy mean to you? Legacy really, it's just, creating something that continues to grow even after not being here anymore. I think when you think about it, the, when you meet somebody, they know people that you don't know. Hmm. And so by that interaction and potentially having that impact in their life, what does that do turn around and what does that do vibration wise with other people? What does that do for those individuals? And then think about it, that root effect that starts impacting other people and what does that do for changes in family legacies family trees and whatnot but i think it ultimately it's it's helping people flip their story flip that mindset piece flip the core message that they have and really having them tap into that to be able to go impact other people because it's unique i was watching so Deion sanders ended up uh, becoming the head coach for jackson state in mississippi 
And there was an episode where his uh, strength coach actually got a call and was being looked at by the Minnesota Vikings. And so Dion's like, you know, it's great. It sucks to lose somebody, but it's great to see that from this tree and you know this person and what that does. And so when you look and you start seeing that as an opportunity to create growth in other people's lives and what that can do for other people, what, what, what more is there to life? And so I think it's if you're in a job right now that you're like, man, this really is not what I want to do. Flip it and see what impact is being created because of what you're doing. Flip that mindset. And instead of finding the, the bad stuff, it's like, what can you do for somebody else? And so we talked about this yesterday. There was an individual I was working with and the system that I was utilizing with their insurance all jacked up. It did something funky. And when I saw that and came back for the notice of some things happening to his policy, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was pissed because I was like, <laughs> what did I do? Um, but then talked to the gentleman yesterday and he's like, hey, just want to make sure this is a valid thing. Truly, thank you for everything that you've done. You've helped us out. And in my mind, I thought he was going to be 10 times more angry. Mm. But it's that piece of really giving back to somebody and trying to help change that perception. And so ultimately it's the legacy piece is just how many lives can you impact, but you can't judge it because you can't control it. You just have to put it out there and just let it run its course. Yeah. I think it's important to, to remember like that we can only control what's in our wheelhouse, right? Mm. And focusing on the things that you can do. And that's a basic concept, I think for, business for entrepreneurship and really for life but oftentimes it's one of the ones that gets overlooked really quickly yeah because we get scared because of peer pressure because of fear of judgment you know and i've heard you say this over and over right and i love it is that nobody's going to judge you more than yourself (laughs) (laughs) nobody's going to say the worst things about you than what you've already said to yourself And so once you have that, right, once you realize like, yeah, I'm my harshest critic, everything else becomes so much easier because guess what? Even if they say other things, it's not worse than what I said. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and it's so unique because like, if we look at it, when we're hanging out with people, we don't, we, we really get on people when they talk bad about themselves. Hey, why why are you doing that? But then when it comes to ourselves and we're by ourselves, how quickly do we stop that? with ourselves stopping and talking bad about ourselves it's that awareness piece and so it can be tough because we are our worst critics and i think that's also when people are tapping into whatever they're wanting to accomplish whatever they want to bring into it is you're going to get to the point where you're going to judge yourself and you're like who's going to want to hear this who's going to see this who's going to want to read this put it out there though because somebody needs that and it goes back to our conversation with Michelle. So it's the the fact that you can judge yourself, but step through that and put it out there because somebody needs what you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. The follow-up to the legacy question, what are you doing to live your legacy? Where do you project? Where, where we ideally, when it's all said and done, when you look back, where do you want your legacy to be? Just somebody that was always there to give somebody else space, give them the space that they need. But to live out that legacy, really, it's working on myself. And that starts truly with who I am and becoming that individual. And then giving myself that to be able to turn around and give that to somebody else. 
And so I think for for a lot of it, it's, we've got to understand that it's going back to that centerpiece. <laughs> and then it, everything else expands out and extends out. So for me, really, it does start with how I'm working on myself and constantly growing. Because we've talked about it, you're either growing or you're dying. Mm-hmm. And so if you become stagnant, you end up losing that momentum. You end up losing the opportunity to really bless other people's lives. And so it's just the continual growth piece and getting to that next level. And then understanding that once you're at that next level, you're going to be facing some new devils and some different (laughs) things that are stresses. Yes. And it's just another evolution of growing and learning and becoming a constant student. Yes. New level, new devil (laughs) every time. Right. Was it Dante's Inferno? Yeah. (laughs) You know, what I appreciate having been able to, have you as a business partner, have you as a podcast partner, and really like just like another family member, right? Is how you show up for other people, right? It's consistent. It's it's never like this grumble, like, oh, I gotta go do this. You know, I forgot about that. It's like, hey, are you going there? Cool, I'll see you there. Mm-hmm. Right. And hey, are you going to this? Hey, you going to that? Right. Like you just know you're going to be there because the events are there or the people are there. But not only do you do that, but you show up and you always show up with a presence to basically say, what can I learn from this? What can I take away from this? But also, is there somebody else that maybe needs to hear something from me? Mm-hmm. Right. So you're always kind of searching for those opportunities, not so much to the point where you're not paying attention, but you are basically, you know, you're, it's what value can I take, but also what can I provide, you know? And so I really appreciate that in every interaction that that is, you know, what you leave behind. And honestly, like, I mean, you've heard of all the feedback that we've gotten from people, right? People reach out and they do a one-on-one and they're like, Oh yeah. Scott sent me this perfect Instagram message and it, Mm. I was compelled to really respond back and answer and follow your guys' page because he does a lot of great reels. Right. And then someone else the other day was like, yeah, I really need you guys' hope for some coaching because I'm getting ready to launch my program. You know, and again, it's a combined effort from really from both sides, but it's nice that I don't have to worry (laughs) if I'm not like maybe able to do that. I just know that you'll get it done or that you'll, you know, that you can carry on the same conversation that I would maybe even better, you know, um, or that you're going to connect with somebody. And that's a really hard thing to find, right? Because how many of us are searching? How many of us are looking for even one connection? You know, Seth Godin talks about having a tribe of 75 people, right? And I think it's probably closer to like 150 people. But the thought process is that, you know, if you have a tribe and you quit what you're doing and move on to something else that this tribe would pick up and move with you. And if you have 75 people, you're going to be very successful no matter where you go. But if we think about it, how many of us maybe struggle to have one, two, three people, right? So imagine trying to get up to 75 and then being able to connect with somebody else that you think is on that level too, that can fulfill your shoes uh, or that can fill in for you. That becomes even harder so again, thankful that we found this um, and that we founded this company together to be able to go ahead and do all that. And again, super rare, but super thankful as well. And I appreciate that. And I think the last piece, when you think about that, by having that tribe of 75, 
what are you doing for that tribe to help them reach their goals? So you have goals that are whatever it is. And I think this is a unique thing too, when people are trying to build something. So if you look at YouTube, you can't build your community (laughs) by yourself. You can't go make a a hundred emails and subscribe because that would just be a lot of work, Mm. but it is that tribe. And so it's building the tribe together, but also, the tribe that you have, what is their hopes and what is their visions? What are their dreams and what can you paint and what can you create through the vehicle that you built? But how large of a vehicle do you have to bring in their dreams and then help them go after whatever that is for them? And I think that's another thing is really looking and saying, okay, we can only do so much, but by working together, we can get so much further along. And so how can you, help somebody else go after their dream and then what does that do for their tribe that they're building and what does that do for the 75 that you originally have where's the overlap here (laughs) right right i always liked you know as a football fan and as a, a sports fan i always loved hearing about bill walsh because bill walsh basically started the west coast offense A lot of funky formations back then. You got the the two split backs. You got the I formation, right? Traditional tight end, two wide receivers. You know, it's not like this pass happy league that we have now. And it was a good combination for running counters, yeah. ISOs, uh, off tackle, right? There's a lot of passing to the tight ends, uh, which was kind of at that point new. And so as you go through some of that stuff, what I always appreciated was they would always talk about the Bill Walsh tree, mm. right? And there's a couple of other guys, but the one that stood out to me the most was Mike Holmgren, right? Mm. Because Mike Holmgren's tree, yep. right, went out to so many people. I think Steve Mariucci, gosh, I can't remember now. I'm like, it's been years. Yeah. But now they're talking about the Belichick tree, yeah. right? And all of these things. But, you know, when you think about that, and like you talked about, passing on that knowledge, right, that Deion Sanders and basically um, knowing that you had a hand and that you taught people something and allowed them to kind of go to that next level. You know, oftentimes entrepreneurs, business owners, they maybe hold some sort of, I don't know, I guess, angst, or there may be kind of some animosity when somebody leaves. Oftentimes it's really not anybody's fault, but somebody is always looking for someone to blame because that's what they're used to, (laughs) you know? But what's unique is that when you think about that, like, yeah, maybe you don't leave on the best of terms, but you do wish them luck. You do wish them well. And ultimately, even if they don't like it, they do have to acknowledge that they wouldn't have gotten all the logo skills without you yeah. along the way. That even if it was maybe like bad experiences, they at least learn what they don't want to experience with other people, right? Yeah. And so um, remember that you know, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, are you maybe holding back your employees by trying to keep them tied down? Yeah. Could they do so much more if you give them the freedom and the experience to maybe go after what and pursue what they really want? Yeah. So again, maybe just some food for thought for some of you entrepreneurs, some of you lakes and ninjas who are entrepreneurs or business owners. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well. My favorite portion <laughs> is let's go into the thankfulness piece and the power of thankfulness. So here we firmly believe that the power of thankfulness allows you to kind of relive experiences it allows you to really go back and kind of um be in the moment in regards to things that are happening real time and and kind of also manifesting just the things that you want like we talked about so you know uh with this obviously you're familiar (laughs) so go ahead and take that away 
I, I think it really does the the gratitude piece to get to where I'm at now. It's really the starting factor of the divorce piece. <laughs> going through the divorce and stepping in and not allowing that to overcome me, but utilizing that as momentum and as fuel to get to another level. And so it's being thankful for those experiences and really thankful for the challenges. Mm. And so I think a lot of times we want to be thankful for the wins, the challenges come up, we get scared and we're like, no, I don't want to be thankful for the challenges. Like that's not good, (laughs) but that's where your growth comes into play. How much can you learn from a win compared to how much can you learn from a challenge Mm. and what can come out of that? And then, of course, my two beautiful daughters uh, keeping me on my toes (laughs) and the uh, the love that they have and just who they are and who they're becoming and just really being a, a girl dad, having a very soft spot there Mm. i think that helps out with the space too it's creating space there but and then ultimately our friendship and our relationship and where we're at within the business piece and what we're creating and the lives that are being impacted i love it man yeah you know what's funny being a boy dad right of of two you know my wife swears she's like you need a girl (laughs) she goes because what happens is that when a father who has a lot of love to give has a girl just everything changes right mm. and so for me i'm like boys are cool right because I, i've had them and i'm like i'm so deathly afraid <laughs> that if we do have a girl that i would just be completely wrapped around you know and, and that she would get whatever she wants <laughs> so again you know we'll see kind of what that looks like eventually but uh, no i love i love the way that you talk about your daughters it's a uh, really incredible pod decks and guys, if you are unfamiliar with Poddex, it was actually created by another podcaster by the name of Travis Brown. Shout out to you, Travis. Thank you so much for creating this. This is a great tool for any sort of interview. They have physical Dex cards. There's an app now. And basically, as you go through, it's a lot of different, like, would you rather type scenario questions? And they're kind of thought provoking, but really great opportunities to kind of better get to know your guests or your interviews. Future freaks me out. Let's see here. Would you ever commit a crime if you thought you wouldn't get caught? The old me, (laughs) definitely, right? The old me would say yes. The current and hopefully the future versions of me, uh, no. I'm basically at this point now where integrity is really kind of how I build my business. It's how, uh, you know, I'm trying to teach my family, my sons, right. To, to live this integrity life and to live this authentic lifestyle. My, my six-year-old woke up the other day using the word yeet. (laughs) And the reason I bring that up is because I'm like, do you even know what the word yeet means? Right. And he's like, no. And I was like, I don't either. So <laughs> let's throw it out of our vocabulary, right? Because then we're just going to sound uh, walking around yelling yeet at things. And we don't even know what it means. And we're going to sound really silly, right? So, you know, trying to live that integrity, uh, in- integritist lifestyle, um, I'm going to have to say, no, I would not. But shady version of past me, <laughs> I w- it would have been a yes. How do we define a crime, though? I don't know. Because you have uh, crimes of love. <laughs> So where do we go with this? I guess we're just going with the normal one. It depends, honestly, because what, because think about Robin Hood. 
stealing from the rich to give to the poor. That's a crime. You're stolen from the rich to give to the poor. So where where do we go with this? Uh, I think it just depends, like, because who determines what's good or bad? <laughs> true, true. And again, I mean, different standards, different societies, um, you know, you don't really ever truly know. And again, you know, you got uh, a lot of the uh, people who would challenge the status quo. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. It's like, would you ever commit a crime if you thought you wouldn't get caught? It depends on what the crime is. Like, yeah, it's, I don't know. So, well, uh, and and here's the thing, where I'm gonna I'm gonna put this argument out there too. Uh, for those of all of you who were basically saying no, I wouldn't. I guarantee, if I watched Game of Thrones with you, that the way that your views and the way that you guys would vote for certain people and certain things contradicts your answer <laughs> just saying <laughs> well it is true you can always bring something up so there's a history deck out here so i just clicked and we'll see so what are the biggest factors that have contributed to the fall of great empires oh man that's a it's a long list i would think <laughs> <laughs> lack of integrity authentic lack of authenticity let's see there's probably been yeah, let's just let's just go with that lust, you know, like uh, seeking things outside of your relationships, right? That maybe shouldn't be there. I think greed, jealousy, and I think also just what I really haven't seen too much, or at least not talked about often enough through history, is that the people often love themselves more than they love the people, hmm. and I think that. Had things been maybe reversed or changed, who knows what the trajectory where economies, where, you know, science, science yeah. you know, may be at now. I mean, didn't the EpiPen go from like $10 to $100 because the guy that owns the yeah. the things for it, um, you know, and now it's, I think it's up almost, yeah, it's insane. So, nice. you know, when I think about stuff like that, I'm like, gosh, <laughs> there's so many different variations and twists and turns. Also, to counter that as an entrepreneur, we also allowed ourselves as, as a people to fall victim to really saying that there was only one way to do right. things, right? So we fell in, in line with the uh, industry of education where you know, everything was taught to make factory workers. We no longer live in that society now. We, we've we allowed us to become this litigious society where we just want to sue everybody to get rich quick. We've allowed ourselves to um, have this complete unemotional or emotional unbalance uh, and that it's okay to, to shame mental health or not really dig into that. So yeah. uh, again, many different directions that we go with this answer. So I think I've been funny. I think ultimately when I look at it, it's open-mindedness. When people are so staunchly on their pedestal and their podium, and they don't take the time to step back and look and have the open-mindedness piece, but they miss out. Mm. And so I think you, you cut that off and then you end up creating some uh, funky stuff going on there. So I think that's the biggest thing when I look at it is that open-mindedness piece. So. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, taking offense is probably the biggest crime yeah. that we tend to see now. As 
always, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of leave maybe some nuggets for maybe somebody who's on the verge of entrepreneur, somebody who's maybe looking at their legacy, maybe somebody who's uh, kind of getting in their own way. You know, it, this really time is really just kind of time for you to kind of spitball, but uh, you've done, you've dropped quite a few nuggets, right? So just to kind of recap here. I mean, we've talked about the self-love piece and transforming yourself from within, mm. then also has changed your output in terms of how you see others around you changing, right? Directly impacting your children and your relationships. So yeah, if you want to go ahead and just take a few minutes to kind of just spitball for whatever is heavy on your heart. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that it really comes down to is you've got to complete yourself and then everybody else, every other entity is a complimentary piece to who you are. I look at this and I tell people, I'm like, think about it. If that piece or that entity leaves and you're having them complete you instead of you complete yourself, how painful that is mm. when they walk away or you lose that. It's like a lot of people that are business owners and their whole identity is the business. And then when they lose that business, what happens to these individuals? Right. So if they would look at that as just a spoke, <laughs> if that spoke breaks off, then that's cool. Like you're not really gonna have a big detriment. And I think you're not gonna have a lot of heavy pain. You'll have the pain, the heartbreak and whatnot, but it won't be as bad as what it is normally when that person or the entity is completing you and you're not doing what you need to. So I think the biggest thing is just working on yourself, working on that story and really connecting with yourself and loving yourself and looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I love you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for the bad things, the good things, everything. Thanks for showing up and being here. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I look at things, I look at it like life is almost like a battlefield, mm. right? And you're bound to have casualties um, on both sides. And so, but the only way to really emerge victorious is to keep pressing on. Yeah. So, guys, I hope that this has been um, as much of a pleasure for you as it has been for me to really do a deep dive here with uh, Scott Brandt. It's really incredible is that you can know people and you can work with people, but you still learn from them. And you've given us so many nuggets here and for our Legacy Ninjas as well. What was some of the nuggets that you pulled out from this episode listening with Scott? What questions do you have? Feel free to reach out to us on the website 2nativesons.com. So that's the word 2TWO, nativesons.com. And you can also check out our, our previous episodes on the podcast as well. And um, anything else that you would like to go ahead and leave for our Legacy Ninjas? I think ultimately it's just the support and the uh, community that's being built and people that are showing up uh, get really the love and how people really tune in to being a Legacy Ninja because we get a lot of people are like, oh, that's such a great name. That's such a great community. <laughs> yes. And so it's unique how things come up, but ultimately just the community and the members that are part of the community what we do, it would not be able to be done without our community, without our tribe. Yes, absolutely. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Legacy Digging. Uh, in this case, Legacy Digging with two Native Sons, but interviewing one Native Son. <laughs> so we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you so much.